So if I'm a new yoga teacher, which I am, and I'm about to teach at a new studio or something like that, and it's an all-levels class, what are some considerations or things that I should think about before I prepare my class, my sequencing, and how should I approach this class? Like, what are things that I need to, to think about? Welcome to the Yoga Teacher Evolution Podcast. Namaste. My name is Paul Teodo, joined here with Michael Henry. Most yoga teacher trainings are becoming watered down and mediocre. So we've created this podcast to help supplement those of you who graduated from a teacher training and don't feel confident going out into the real world. Michael and I are lucky to have been trained by some amazing people. We've gone out into the world ourselves and had success, and we want you to feel confident to protect your students and to build your career with integrity and authenticity. Welcome to our podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Yoga Teacher Evolution Podcast. My name is Michael Henry, and welcome to Going Pro Yoga. Going Pro Yoga. Yeah, maybe we'll change the podcast name. We're actually been thinking about it. We've been talking about this for the last 20 minutes before we started this episode. And if you didn't recognize his voice, then we have Byron de Marseille on the other side of this table. Hey, hey, hey. It's Byron de Marseille. Thank you for joining in, listening in today. We are going to be chatting about yoga, shocker, Um, specifically all levels classes, specifically probably the differences between beginner classes, advanced classes, ultimately that whole realm and understanding the complexities for yoga teachers and kind of talking on that topic to break it down, make it easier to understand and ultimately make it better and safer for everyone involved, particularly the students as well. So... How would you like to kick this off, Byron? Do you have a preference or would you like me to funnel in a question like? Well, uh, just to bring up something that as you were speaking, I just thought it that, you know, this podcast and a lot of our conversations even outside of this podcast, we like to bring up things that are, they seem to have, there's a disconnection. There's a disconnection from what is being sold to us. Um, in some way and so that's what I think I'll bring up first when it comes to the the packaging of marketing to us whether you're a teacher or student or you're both of yoga and then when it comes to the the levels the all levels the two three classes the beginners classes the vinyasa versus power yoga versus power vinyasa versus Blah, 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 go on and on and on. It's, you know, kind of an endless uh, marketing, um, which is always geared to psychologically um, drive us to purchase something. Okay, so that's what, that's what I'll bring up first. <laughs> okay, okay. So which one do you want to unpack? Mm, unpack, like this term. I feel like it's kind of new in my life. Unpack. Unpack, okay. How yes. about break down, start with? Yeah. Um, <laughs> perhaps just the idea of um, mm-hmm. teaching an all-levels class. Keep it simple and in the sense of like, what does that actually mean, teaching an all-levels class? What, is, what are mm-hmm. some considerations? Before we started recording this episode, we we're talking about particularly for new yoga teachers, what does that even look like? You're teaching an all-levels class. Does that mean you just go in and just teach everything because everything's okay? Because it's an all-levels, meaning whatever you do is good to go, right? Mm. Yes. Okay, so let's start there. Or unpack from there. I like unpacking because it's like you got to unfold your clothes and like hang them up, you know, make sure there's no wrinkles. 
So let's talk about that. All levels class would insinuate that there could be a brand new yoga student right next to an advanced or I hate the word advanced. I just used it though. Experienced 10 year yogi. Yes. Somebody right next to them. A teacher, for instance, could be practicing right next to somebody's first class. That could happen in an all levels class. Hmm. Then you go to the beginner's class. I would assume that a beginner's class would be the people that are expecting something that is more gentle or slower paced, more explanation oriented type of class. And then when you get into advanced, I feel like it's real sticky. Like what are the expectations from an advanced class? And I think that is probably person to person. And you may find that that advanced class wasn't advanced at all for you. Um, or maybe it was way too much. Like, was it a workout advanced, fast paced, advanced flexibility, asana, you know, some of these crazy contorted postures advanced. Um, so yeah, we can unpack a little bit of that. And what else am I missing anything? There, there's a level two, three. We just talked about the differences between something as simple as power yoga, mm. vinyasa. Absolutely. So power yoga. Yeah, that's that's maybe we shouldn't jump into that one right away. Um, let's keep it to the classes. Let's, okay. let's stick to the classes and, and unpack those ones a little bit, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Cool. So if I'm a new yoga teacher, which I am, and I'm about to teach a, 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 at a new studio or something like that, and it's an all-levels class, what are some considerations or things that I should think about before I prepare my class, my sequencing, and how should I approach this class? Like, what are things that I need to, to think about? Mm. Um, well, let's just start with that. How would you answer that question? Well, for me, my experience is, for those of you who don't know, I taught for uh, many years at a donation yoga studio where all the classes were all levels. And I will say, first and foremost, as a teacher... Um, I bought into this and I continue to kind of um, advocate for this being such a beautiful experience to have um, somebody new to yoga and somebody experienced. Now there's a reciprocal learning uh, relationship happening from the new person who's more inquisitive, curious, more scattered, probably not sure what to do or what to expect, um, but that's exciting. And then someone who's more experienced where their focus might be a little bit more um, up to speed for the yoga class experience. And yeah, so that there's a little following that might happen, but maybe they lack that more experienced student might lack a bit of that excited newness to something. So this studio that I that I taught in teaching students in this way ultimately will make you a better teacher faster. And the reason I say that is because you need to offer modifications. So just so I understand, teaching all levels classes will help you become a better teacher faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we have to teach modifications. Because you have to watch and listen closely to um, people on all, both ends of the spectrum of experience and needs. Okay, so that you might get somebody that's just checked out mentally 30 minutes in. How do you deal with that? Physically checked out 10 minutes in. How do you deal with them? Um, other students wanting more, wanting to be pushed, wanting 
uh, variations modifications and variations is essentially the same thing i think yeah. in the states we use modifications more. yeah or different options different like, options yeah option one option yeah. two yeah so and then do we teach more to the beginners in that class or to the experienced people so the method that i adopted was took a while to to really i guess perfect this method but to teach to the beginners first right so if there's a posture with a modification place your left forearm on your left thigh for side angle parsvokanasana reach your right arm up if you'd like to go deeper slide your left hand down to the floor or hold your ankle All right still want to go deeper put your left hand on the outside of your left foot press your knee against your arm so these are three different variations i just keep on giving them um, options to go further and without making them feel like it's a necessary uh, part of the experience. Yeah, I think you do a really good job of that as well as Paul, um, which is probably one of the reasons why I gravitated towards taking your guys' classes, Paul's in particular, because he was here in Bali, and then doing the teacher training because of the modifications made me feel seen. Mm. They made me feel like, hey, like, you know, even though it wasn't a direct connection of feeling seen, it was more so just like, oh, this is where I'm at and, and I'm going to take this option. So for new, te uh, new students or new people to yoga, you're literally guiding them through what they want to try and making sure that the people that are more advanced because they already know what they can do and what they want to do, that you can go to, to those levels. But also, if there's someone maybe in the middle, maybe not completely new, maybe not 10 years experience, that have been doing it in a certain way, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, maybe I'll try this second option. Mm -hmm. Slip into the section option. Oh, this feels really nice. Maybe I'll try the third option. Oh, actually, this is really tough. Maybe I'll go back to the second option and just stick it here. So that really, I think, as a collective, per, for my personal experience, makes me feel like I'm seen. And I would assume that most people will feel the same way, especially people who are new. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for the compliment, first of all. And reading the room is the skill as a teacher that really becomes um, enhanced. You really start to be able to read the room. First of all, you need to not demonstrate the whole class to read the room. Otherwise, you're reading yourself <laughs> and getting good at demonstrating while you're teaching. I'm not saying don't demonstrate at all, because by reading the room, you may realize that you need to demonstrate at certain points so that people follow you. But that relationship between listening, like the students are listening, right? But you're listening as well to their needs, their body language. You're watching their breath. You're also giving a couple of options, not overdoing the options, but you're, you're trying to take care of the students. Like you said, be seen they feel seen there's a great chance they're going to come back to that class so yeah reading the room and gauging who's listening and who's not listening so there is a part of a listening that's happening obviously from the students part they're listening to you but then you're listening to them as well to see what's working and what's not working for example let's take warrior three virabhadrasana three this is a posture that could be considered a challenging posture. If taught with two blocks, it is a very manageable posture for a beginner. So let's say 
Okay, place your fingertips on the floor, right underneath your shoulders, maybe on top of two blocks to give yourself a little more height. And draw your sternum forward, your chest forward. Let's activate the back leg, neutralizing the hips. Lift from your inner thigh, driving through the heel or the toes if you're teaching that way. If you'd like to go deeper, go ahead and lift your hands off the blocks and place the hands to your heart. You could open the arms out to the sides like the wings of, the, of an airplane. Or if you want the fullest expression, reach your arms forward. And now you've talked to all parties. If you have people reaching the arms forward, you know that you've, you, there's no further. You can go. If nobody lifted their hands off of the blocks when you suggested lifting them to their heart, well, now you know that probably for this class, you can leave out the fullest expression posture for many of the ones you're teaching. So that's just one example of um, kind of the feedback loop that's constantly happening. And you can get really, really good at at this and reading what people want. Um, so this ideal of being a good yoga teacher, you can just let it go. You're really just a good listener um, and a communicator. Um, and if you need to, if you, like I said earlier, if you need to demonstrate to help people out, you do it. But if it's not helping them to demonstrate, then maybe better to leave it out. Right. So what I'm hearing is that in order to approach it, or when you approach an all-levels class, it's almost essential that you don't necessarily demonstrate, at least right away, because you need to read the room. You need to see what's there, because it, because of the fact that you could have a spectrum from someone who's walking in the door for the first time and not having any idea what yoga is about, to someone who's 10 years experienced. And if you're not paying attention, you're not reading the room, you're not basically seeing what's going on, then you might lead in a way that's not suitable for one of the people or several people that's in the class or in the studio. So it's, it's essential, at least at the beginning, right? And then that way, providing those modifications might alter and, and shift. And again, I'm repeating what, what you were just mm -hmm. saying, but just for my understanding, you know, if you start with giving all, say, three or four options, but then you see that the last two options are never taken, for the first couple poses that you go, then you can assume that your your class, or at least today, is somewhere in the beginner range, beginner to maybe intermediate. So then you can just continue the class accordingly. Or you might go and say like, hey, these guys are all going for the harder stuff. They obviously want to be pushed and challenged. So now you, instead of op uh, offering all four or three options, you can just cater and adjust that. But unless you're paying attention, you're not going to know that. You might just go through all four options every single time, and then all of a sudden you're going to have people that are kind of getting annoyed, right? Ding. Yeah, exactly. It's an intuitive experience as a teacher. So your all levels class might be mostly beginners. It might be mostly experienced people. You won't know until you start the class. So you've got to pick up on that. Um, so being prepared for that, being prepared for having the whole spectrum, mm -hmm. right? So starting from that perspective and not assuming that when it's an all-levels class that everyone's going to be a beginner and then teaching a beginner's class in an all-levels class. You know, yes. it's, it's not like, a, and, and this is helpful for me to understand, is an all-levels class isn't necessarily a freebie to be like, you just teach whatever you want and people will just grasp it. It's like, mm -hmm. no, it's actually a little bit more to it and the fact that you need to be more dynamic and making those adjustments mm -hmm. in the moment. Yep, and you can also teach as an all-levels, if you get, if that becomes like your, like it was for me, your consistent um, daily schedule was to teach all levels 
and then all of a sudden you're thrown a two, three level class that you're supposed to teach, they don't know the difference. You can teach the exact same way. Um, when you might cut out a little bit of the babying, you know, sometimes I think the beginners need a little more babying in a good way, like hold them, take care of them, mm. pat them on the back, construction, uh, not construction, constructive, not criticism, but just positive support, verbal support. Yep. Um, but that brings up the other side of this, which is the packaging of marketing from the point of view of tapping into our psychology to have us buy something. Hmm. And why do we need to have such an expectation for what we're being sold? And that's essentially what ha what's happening is with most things is, you know, <laughs> I use this analogy um, before as let's say you have a loaf of bread and each piece in the loaf is different and you you take the the, the the loaf of bread home and you start to see that one is rye and one is sourdough and you have a white and a wheat and you're just like what the heck i wasn't even expecting that hmm. but that's kind of cool i mean when i think about a, piece, a loaf of bread doing that i'm like excited <laughs> <Get some variety. laughs> for me but if i was expecting wheat bread and i needed that wheat bread um I think it's better for me or for whatever the case is, then I'm going to be a bit upset. Yeah. People want to know what's coming. They want, they want to know what they're buying into. They want to know what they're getting. Yes. So within all levels, that makes it a little bit more tricky, right? Yeah. Which is the segue into the level two, three intermediate or advanced. Usually I see them packaged as two dash three. Okay. And what's happening here. This is attracting the student that, wants more, right? They may never step foot into an all levels class because they think they're above that. They may look at it like, a, oh, I'm, I don't want to be in a room with people who are new to yoga. That, that might be what's happening in there. I don't want that. So I'm going to go to this level two, three class that, that gets them in the door. Mm. You know, it's, it's a meeting point for the psychology of the Western mind. And similarly, the beginners classes, right? Now you have the people who are maybe too timid to be seen in front of a lot of experienced yoga people. Maybe they assume that it's going to be a, maybe they assume it's going to be a more thorough explained class, um, explanation of class, um, of sorts or easier, slower, hard to say. They may not know what to expect because they're beginners and they're just showing up simply because it says beginners and it mm. got them in the door. Mm. What, what's tricky here. For me, I can look back to my experience when I was a beginner and I went into an all levels class that just melted my face off. It was absolutely hard, challenging, difficult in many different facets, stamina, strength, balance, focus. I was in a room of many people. I couldn't even focus on myself, confronted me on many levels, but I was also kind of laughing at myself like, dude, you where you claim you're an athlete and you're so competitive and good at everything. And here you are just suffering mm -hmm. and just, there's a lake of my sweat around and now I'm just embarrassed that I'm sweating so much. And that became my, my focus, mm -hmm. <laughs> my first couple of classes, maybe a couple hundred on if I'm to be honest about it. Mm. So that was an awesome entry point for me. Had I gone to a beginner's class where somebody babied me and it was soft, and I didn't have that, that kind of confrontational experience that I got the opportunity to laugh at myself, you know, like 
what are we doing with those beginners classes exactly? Are we trying to get someone's ego up to par so that they feel equipped and ready to perform in front of others? Maybe that's not the only thing happening, but surely it is happening for some. Or are we educating them on the philosophy of yoga in there? Because that would be a beautiful beginner's experience. Maybe that's what a beginner's class should be. These are the principles of yoga. This is the definition of yoga. This is the goal of what we're trying to do. Um, and then the level two, three, bouncing back over to that intermediate advanced experience. What's the goal here? Are we trying to simply weed out the slower people so that we can move at the pace we want? Um, are we going to get into some of these more, I'm going to call them advanced asanas that might require more binding, more flexibility, more physically demanding. Yeah. Yeah. More physically demanding. Cause I do love myself a good physically demanding yoga class that is strength oriented, right? That's going to challenge. Cause I'm a, I'm, I'm naturally a strong person and the flexibility for my body is I'm happy with it. It's fine. But if I put myself into what an advanced class would be and I get in there thinking it's going to be challenging my stamina, strength, balance, and focus, and it's instead challenging my ego and flexibility because I'm watching all these contortionists do TikToks and bouncing back and forth and to drop back backbends and things that I don't desire to do. Um, well... Now I'm going to be disappointed you're, myself. You're going to open up that loaf of bread and be like, what is this? This isn't what I ordered <laughs> at all. It's like I, I bought a loaf of bread and it's instead there's a pickle in here. <laughs> like, and I hate pickles. Like it's the only food I've just never learned to like. So no, thank you. Yeah. So one of the things that that's interesting to me with regards to advanced yoga. <clears throat> and um, I've heard Paul say it a couple times is, it's not always about the physically demanding asanas that make yoga advanced. Sometimes it's taking the, the first option or the second option and just that choice, regardless if you're a 10 year experience or a new yoga teacher or just a person that's practicing um, early on as a beginner, advanced yoga is deciding or, or making the decision in the moment that like, I'm not going to do that. Like that's a, a perspective of advanced yoga as opposed to, a beginner being like, I'm going to try everything until I push myself to the point where, you know, I want to know what my limitations are. And then usually, you know, that's where things can go, go really wrong and potentially injury or potentially not enjoying the class or so on and so forth. Um, so that can be challenging for, for um, class participants or students, whatever you want to call them, if they don't know that, right? So I think part of being teachers, it's our responsibility to some degree, to at least mention that, you know, and you don't have to use it in those words like, you know, advanced yoga is knowing when to stop or advanced yoga is knowing when to take child's pose. Like you can say it in those kind of ways, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's encouraging and letting people know that it's not about pushing yourself to the full limit and being able to do full expressions and being able to do what the person's doing beside you. It's, it's really just focusing on you and your mat and what and where you can go. Um, yes, pushing yourself, yes, challenging yourself, but also, you know, if you go to take the, 
the third option or the fourth option and you're like, mm, this is too much going back. Like to me, that's advanced. It doesn't mean you need to be advanced physically to be able to do the third and fourth option, but just knowing that you, you're not ready for that. To me, that's advanced. To you, it's advanced because you've had an experience in your life that has taught you that it's advanced. And like you mentioned, as teachers, we do have this responsibility to hold space for others. And maybe the teacher hasn't learned that for themselves yet. And that's, that can be a problem because that could be a huge lesson they will learn someday that they're not currently aware of or teaching in their classes. Um, this happens a lot of times to people that are young um, teaching yoga. Not all, because I've actually found some prodigy yoga teachers, even an 18-year-old yoga teacher I was, I was so impressed by and so wise. Um, but this does happen a lot. So I think uh, related to that, how do we share the message? Let's say, for instance, taking child's pose or not pushing so hard and taking these advanced poses. How do we share that message in a way that resonates with the listener? And I think the way to do that, there's a few ways, but one way is you have to help them see where in their life not pushing themselves has helped them before, right? And it might not be yoga yet because they might be new to yoga, which is a blessing that you get to share yoga with them and be one of the first encounters they have with it. You get to make a strong impression. Where in your life has, has taking a break, not burning yourself out, where has that helped you? And let them figure that out for themselves. They'll make a connection, with that and be like, oh, yoga is more like that than it is what I thought, like this workout, this flexibility, this poster I saw. Oh, wait, boom. Now you're starting to like tweak their mind a little bit. I like to use humor sometimes. I might have said this on a previous podcast, but I call child's pose. This is grown ass man pose, hmm. grown ass woman pose because um, it takes a lot more strength, right? Maturity to come back to this pose and rest sometimes than it does to push on. So, you know, that one, that one gets laughs sometimes. <laughs> There's that receptivity. They're not laughing. I'm like, okay, this is a, I'm gonna have to crack this group open or maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't gonna be as funny of a class and more serious. Um, but I do believe that it is our responsibility to share, right? And it doesn't need to start there. You kind of find your own way of communicating and things you've picked up from other teachers along the way, things that really struck, struck you and, um, kind of made an impression on you, and then you can share those exact same things. Then you can find your own way to say those things, and then that's when you're really cooking, mm. I believe, because your authenticity starts to shine through because it's now yours. I mean, even this conversation we're having back and forth has been had many times, mm -hmm. right? And it's now is different. The signature behind what I'm saying and carrying, I'm trying to make it unique in my own, you're doing the same. This collaboration of these two different viewpoints collaborating together it's like this beautiful never before experienced conversation mm -hmm. right because we're willing to make it our own so i think the same thing's happening in these yoga classes mm -hmm. and uh to help a, a, a teacher because i love to teach new teachers how to to tap into this part of their ability uh, capacity willingness to be better um, this is huge this is a huge part of that like help them see that they have they have a gift. Mm -hmm. That gift is them. 
And why is it a gift? Because it's never been experienced through them before. They're the, this is the only unique emanation, the unique experience that will come out into a creative expression if they're willing to let it. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so then let's see here. As a new teacher who I'm what? Uh, I did the training last October, November, December. So, you know, not even six months in for teaching purposes to advance myself as my, uh, as a new teacher, what I'm hearing from this entire podcast and, you know, I've contributed to it, but ultimately for those that are listening, like harnessing or trying to develop the skill of teaching all levels classes is a great way to go because you're going to be able to be ready for basically almost everything else. So even though it's the harder of the options, because of the fact that you need to be a little bit dynamic in the moment and needing to read the room. And, you know, those things take probably some skill and some time to be able to actually know how to read the room and get over the nerves and make sure you're actually paying attention to everyone. So I can totally see how that's intimidating. But it's almost like getting thrown in the fire. You nail that, then you're, you're, you're coasting a little bit. Is that, is that accurate to say? Yes. Um, well... The, and I don't know how much time we have to, to talk about it. We're going to have, we, we still need to talk about power yoga and, and vinyasa, but yes, teaching. Here's the thing. When I teach a power yoga class, when I teach a vinyasa class, all levels, nothing changes the way I teach. I teach them all pretty much the same. I go in there, I read the room. I have a, usually I have a sequence in mind that I want to teach that has flexibility within it for variations where I can make tweak it a little bit harder, faster, more options, less options kind of mindset to it. So I'm reading the room each time. Um, if it's a level two, three class, I'm prepared to, um, to add some more chaturangas or whatever I feel like is necessary for that group that shows up. But even in those two, three classes, there's no guarantee that there's experienced people in there. Right. There's people who just, oh, I'm going to skip the steps and go to the harder class. So mm -hmm. it's, it's basically the same class. Right. That's what I've found over the years. That's it's true, especially if it, that's the only class that actually suits their schedule. They'll be like, well, I'd rather go to a 2-3 class than no class at all, even though they yeah. might be beginner. Yeah, and even if it's labeled vinyasa or power yoga or power vinyasa, like these little small differences in the, the descriptions, the mm. marketing to draw you in, I teach it the same. Right, right. And, you I'm, know. I'm hearing what you're saying now with the marketing. It's actually landing on me now. Okay, so it's like, good. <laughs> all of those things are really just to get someone to come in the class, but the way that you teach should almost be the same every time, which is being prepared to be dynamic and adjust and, and accommodate to the full spectrum of the beginner to the advanced, regardless if it's a beginner, intermediate, advanced, or all levels class. An important distinction to make at this point is that, yes, there's a difference between Hatha yoga class and a Vinyasa yoga class. But if you're going to have a flowy class, a power class, a strong stability class, a blend of that, um, then yes, that's what we're talking about. If it's a Hatha class, just reduce the vinyasas and the flow. Do longer holds. But essentially, it's the same otherwise. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, just to, it's noteworthy to point out that there's other classes out there too, like Kundalini, Yin Yoga. These are different. Okay, so we're just speaking to these pretty popular classes. I think we already have that audience that, that, you know, takes that and people who, a lot of people who teach 
um, take a teacher training, kind of learn this format essentially. And this is what they want to take out into the world. Mm -hmm. But yeah, otherwise I just felt like it was an important disclaimer to throw out there. Yeah, no, it's good. At this yeah. point. Don't want to throw everything under the same roof. Yeah. It doesn't and, necessarily apply. And so let's just, since we already mentioned it a bunch, power yoga, vinyasa yoga, power vinyasa yoga. These are three different styles. What else? Is there more? Probably 10 other times, uh, you know, things we'll be able to think of if we sat here long enough. You could throw a couple adjectives before or after vinyasa. Yeah. If you want to. Booty, shaken, yeah. vinyasa. Mystic, <laughs> vinyasa. Goddess, squat, Beyonce, flow. Power. Uh, power. <laughs> it's, yes, exactly. It's all marketing. It's getting it's, people in the door. It's getting people in the door. If you wanted to break it down, if you want to know the truth behind it, here it is. Vinyasa yoga is a creative flow where you're essentially going on a ride with the instructor's energy and instructions with the, with the knowing that the definition of vinyasa means um, to piece together specifically to piece together. In this case, we piece the breath and the movements together. That's what vinyasa is. It's kind of a general term. It's a creative class where you're in the hands of the instructor. That's what it is, where you're flowing with your breath. So what's power yoga? Okay, well, everyone, like, this is the class, the name of the class that got super mass-produced, and the name got catchy in the 80s, I think. It was the, I'm not sure. And one of my mentors, uh, Brian Kest, who I've mentioned a lot, was one of the responsible parties to accelerate the term power yoga. Nobody branded it, so nobody owns this name. But it is a brand. Okay, it's not a style of yoga. If you want to go trace it back to the roots, right? Um, it's but, but that that's not important. It's become a style. It's kind of become a style. It's on the schedule at tons of studios. So what is power yoga? Brian meant for it to be empowerment yoga. A lot of people ran with it and made it faster yoga, which doesn't make sense to me because power doesn't doesn't uh, translate as fast to me. It translates as strong and slow. Hmm. Um, Paul and I have designed a lot of trainings around power yoga. We educate people on this and we have a structure that's, and I, I like this definition of some sorts, like it's a blend of Ashtanga, Iyengar, um, and Hatha yoga um, with an emphasis on holding postures with enough um, with enough flow, with enough poses to, to feel like you're flowing as well. So mm. it's kind of a blend of stop and go, stability, support, flow through it. Um, and in, in, with an emphasize, uh, emphasis, I would say, on empowering the student. Okay, and then lastly, what's power vinyasa? <laughs> How many words can you throw together to, to sell it? I would say that this is a faster, um, you're working the accelerator and the brakes in a power yoga class. It's usually just going to be a faster version of power yoga, you know? So when I go back to what I was saying earlier, when I teach pretty much the same way and it's been well received this way, no, no, no studio has ever told me to teach differently ever. And I just modified the length of the class depending on whether it's 90, 75, 60 minutes and if i'm in a studio that doesn't care if i end on time i'm not ending on time usually 
<laughs> yeah, partly just because, but, and that's because reading the room, um, a lot of times reading the room, you realize they need to rest longer in Shavasana. Mm. And maybe you didn't save those 10 minutes that you, you planned on and that's my fault, mismanaging, or maybe the sequence was like, just went a little slower than I thought and we're going to stay another 5, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 mm. minutes <laughs> yeah. later. But if you're working for somebody, start on time, end on time. Super important to be reliable in that manner. So, yeah, I'm not completely space cadet, right? That's really important, especially, I mean, if you have that leniency, it's, it's great. I imagine that generally speaking, especially at the beginning for new teachers, you want to try to create that structured punctuality as much as possible so that you can be ready for it. Because um, if you're too lenient with yourself, then you will get lost and then your classes will be go longer. And then now we're bringing it back to the expectations of the people in the class, you know, opening up that, that bread, uh, maybe the bread packages a lot shorter or a lot longer than what they were expecting and who knows maybe they have something else that they got going on and you know the the 60 minute class turned that turned into a 70 or 75 minute class now all of a sudden they're 15 minutes late for their next appointment so whilst reading the room potentially would serve some of them better it's, it's also recognizing that you still need to maintain some punctuality uh, as much as possible whilst at the same time and this is very relevant for what I think is that making sure that people are leaving still with like, uh, you know, a safety about them. So not skipping, you know, uh, cool down or not skipping anything that needs to get done, perhaps even the Shavasana, so that when they leave, they're, they've, they've gotten the whole experience and they don't walk out with, you know, an overstretched, I don't know, hamstring or overstretched mm -hmm. twist or something along these lines that there's a proper cool down process so that they don't walk out and injure themselves outside of the yoga class. So kind of a balance in, in, in a bit of a, a dance with it, I guess. So using the leniency when you need to, but also recognizing that don't overdo it. Yeah. To speak on, on that. So I, or Paul or you, we could tell new teachers all day long to end on time, start on time. This is the way you do it. This is the only way to do it. But the truth is, is that this, you make the decision because what's happening is people remember how you make them feel and that's it. Okay. So when they leave that room, how did you make them feel? Some people are going to be pissed if you end late, right? So they're going to remember that. Mm. <laughs> However, if they reach a level of Samadhi, the eighth limb of yoga, where you're completely empty and almost feel enlightened after the class for briefly um, oneness with everything, you're also going to remember that. You'll probably remember that more than the parking ticket you even got um, because you'll feel little or no reaction to that parking ticket and you'll be like, whoa, something's different. So yeah, you make the call on what's more valuable at that point. I'm not saying go over on your classes, but sometimes sometimes you, you kind of feel the energy in the room like maybe 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 another five minutes yeah you know it depends you know like make you know is it a 12 p.m class at lunch you know lunch hour in los angeles where people have no time is it an 8 30 p.m class where you're ending at 10 p.m nobody has anywhere to go or is it a 7 a.m class and um on the bali sunday morning where <laughs> You know, and there's not probably most of those people are going to just lay there still until you end and not care. So, yeah, gauge the room, 
make the call. People remember how you make them feel and that's it. Mm. And this is a whole other topic, but I was just <laughs> thinking about online teaching. Oh yeah. Right. So if people are practicing at home and you're teaching through zoom or whatever platform you're using, I mean, they can just stay in Shavasana for an extra 10, 15 minutes if you, if they want to, right. Cause yeah. at that point it's there. It's, it's up to them when they want to finish. And maybe it's, I don't know, communicating that like, yes, yes. Saying, yeah, well, you know, you can stay here for an extra five, 10 minutes. Yep. The class is finished, you know, whatever. You can stay here as long as you want. <laughs> You're in your own home. Right. Um, but for the sake of ending on time, especially because online, like depending, you know, there's a little less uh, patience online. Hmm. People are like, it depends. If it's COVID lockdown, you can't leave your house. Yeah, we could get away with whatever we wanted as long as class as possible. But if online continues to be a thing and you're practicing online, people are going to want you to adhere to the time, uh, almost most definitely. So you can always leave them in Shavasana, say, hey, if, if you want to lay in your own autonomy for the next, for the foreseeable future, um, you're welcome to. We're going to end class. You can either stay on your back or come into a seated position, however you want to end it, in the class, boom. And you will have people that just lay there, at least I did this last year. Mm. Yeah, good point to bring up. Yeah. Well, we'll see how long that... I mean, I'm sure online yoga is still to stay, regardless of what happens with the pandemic, um, just because it makes it more accessible for some people and more comfortable for others. Absolutely. You know, Again, it's a whole other topic. We could totally digest that. But yeah, some people feel more comfortable practicing in their own space, their own home. Less yep. eyes, less concerns. One thing's for sure. The learning environment online will stay. Yeah. The class format... I'm sure will be, it's not going to completely go away. I just don't think it'll be as prominent as it was this last year. Yeah. 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 yeah there's nothing like a in-person live yoga class being led and follow to, to follow. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, that was about 40 minutes. Have we, have we talked enough? Is this... I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it. Did we talk about everything that we wanted to talk I mean, about? We covered the power, the, the styles the of yoga. Yeah. We went into the all levels. Yeah, I mean, the main point was we, we totally got that across with the all levels classes. And, and maybe you're listening to this and you, you had a different thought, you know, about this where all levels classes... I've had this conversation or I've heard this conversation. I'm almost scared to enter it because... You people have their preferences and they sometimes you're like, should I even enter this conversation with my preferences or my experience that's kind of watched it unfold? So if you're somebody who's maybe on the under other end of the spectrum and kind of have a different viewpoint, I'd love to hear from you. Also, thank you for take for listening all the way through. If you do have a different viewpoint, because that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> not, not turning it off sooner. <laughs> well, and maybe if that's the case, you've had a shift. And, and your perception of it. In that case, I'd also love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, but it's been a, a pleasure to talk about. It's definitely one something I feel passionate about and kind of a blessing, I think, to not be put in a box when you're starting to teach yoga. Mm. However, if you're in a box, whether it's a hot box or a 60-minute box or a chakra oriented theme for the day of the week moving monday from root chakra through sunday crown chakra and you have to teach with the corresponding theme i've done that before mm. then you fit into the box mm -hmm. 
right? You learn how to fit into the box, but realize, realize that it's all, the, the yoga exists outside of the box. And I think just by that realizing it, you'll, you'll learn how to fit into all these boxes and essentially, and, and, and find, and eventually find your own way where you can express more and do your own thing because you're that good. And people will just want that instead of fitting you into the box, mm -hmm. you'll ask like, Hey, um, studio owner or whoever's in charge. Do you mind if, um, I do whatever the fuck I want now? <laughs> <laughs> I've had this conversation with a, with a very type A studio owner where I was like, Hey, I'm tired of like walking on eggshells, feeling like you might come to my class. And if I don't teach what you asked me to teach, which was a set, not a set sequence, but a set kind of uh, structure. I was like, I'm a, I, so I, I took a risk one day and she showed up to my class and um, I taught my own thing <laughs> before she let me. And she texted me after the class, amazing class, loved it. Wasn't what I asked for. And I was like, oh man, dang it. Like she didn't like it. Couple weeks later, remember she's type A, super type A, hard to let go of control. A couple weeks later, um, we revisited that conversation because I had a conversation with her afterwards. I said, hey, look, what if you're teaching a class of eight people? Because she had this strict class. I don't want to name the class because then you'll know exactly, you'll figure out who this is. But this class was 45 minutes and it had to be taught basically in a rhythm to a song. It was hard to teach and only a few of us were even qualified to teach it. And I said, check it out. What if eight people show up to the class and they can't stay on the beat and you're going to leave them behind. Now all of a sudden you're teaching to nobody. You're literally leading nothing. Like what would you do in that situation? And she didn't really, she almost, there was friction, there was resistance. We parted ways for the day. Next day, she subs a class for a teacher that had an emergency. Exactly that scenario happened. She said she showed up, she had to talk. Now she had a, an experience where she wanted to talk to me and she was totally like, I have to share this with you. After our conversation, same thing happened to me the next day because it wasn't my class because she's like a famous yoga teacher who has like packed classes. She can expect this every time. Nope, she taught a class of eight people of an emergency situation and she had this idea with upper external rotation of the arm bone that she wanted to like pound into their heads and like this theme and all eight of the people had no freaking clue. They weren't ready for that. And her type A couldn't let go of the idea of this, this scapula like integrity that she had. <laughs> and she was like, I gotta, I gotta hand it to you, Byron. You, you know, you kind of like hit it right on the head. It happened to me and you can teach whatever you want. And I was like, when <laughs> <laughs> so it can happen uh you know little patience perseverance and sharpening of your craft give it some time amazing amazing cool well i'm sure there's some takeaways in that yeah hopefully. awesome thanks so much byron um always inspiring always very knowledgeable um i love that you're bringing your experience to the podcast and going to be a regular um appearance on the podcast is that correct yeah, that's correct. Is it confirmed on the uh, on the mic? <laughs> it's confirmed on the mic. I am a regular occurrence here. I'll be here as much as possible. Um, I'm glad I can, you know, use my experience because, you know, I don't have a whole lot else that I know much about. 
Right. And so, you know, outside of yoga. <laughs> well, we can't let it go to waste, right? Can't let it go to waste. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you everyone else who's been listening. If you made it to the end, amazing. We love you. We appreciate you. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or maybe something came up for you when you're listening to this episode and you wanted us to go in that direction and we didn't, let us know when we can do that. We can conjure up a whole new topic on that in that uh, in that space. That's basically it for us. The only thing that I wanted to add is that um, we haven't been talking about the Going Pro Mentorship Program in a while, but I did want to say that even though it's not up and running yet, um, if you're interested in it, we've mentioned it before, basically do you want to have some mentorship from Paul Byron and myself um, and ultimately leveling up your style with teaching, uh, feeling more confident, and basically just you know adhering to a lot of the, the things that we're talking about uh, on this podcast, you can at the very least join our wait list to find out more information about when we start to release or when we'll release our next training. But also we're going to be or we're creating, we're currently creating and actually about to go film some content for uh, advanced sequencing, getting really comfortable in making it really easy to basically do a lot of things we're talking about, which is getting ready to teach a class uh, and feeling really confident about that. So that's all in the works and we're putting that together for you guys. So if you're interested in that, you're interested in the training, you're interested in joining this online platform, which you can learn from on your own time, um, you can go to yttmasterclass.com. You can sign up to the wait list there. You'll be on our mailing list and then we can let you know when things are in flow. And then that way you'll know. <laughs> well, you know, I think on that last note for the, the few of you that stuck around for the end, I, I told Michael we would end with a song and he just, he just kind of did that a little bit with his flow. So here you go. Yoga, it's so good. <laughs> it makes you feel good from the inside. Yoga, it's good for your soul. Breathe in, breathe out. Here we go. That's the song. That's what happened. That's the new intro. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every class we're going to do, or every po podcast, we're going to have a new song for you. I like it. All right. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, everyone. And we'll see you next time. 